You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, good morning, River. Great reminder that we serve a risen Savior, that Jesus is alive. Uh, He's no longer on that cross. He's no longer dead. He is in heaven, and we await His return. That's exciting news for us every day of the week, and especially on a Sunday. And uh, we, as as Dan shared, as you saw in the video, we are starting a really an emphasis for us as a church over through the holidays. We're calling "Who Is Your One." It's really a national thing. So uh, a lot of churches across the country are doing this. And you know, when I was in seminary, I was taught how to share the gospel. And uh, to be honest with you, I, I lived for a number of years with guilt uh, with that because I was taught in a way that really didn't fit my spiritual giftings. I was taught mo- most if you been in a church that have gone through like evangelism training, most of that kind of training of how you share the gospel is really for people that have the gift of evangelism. It's not for the average ordinary person. And uh, it's it's for the person that can just go meet somebody, you know, on the street or whatever. And for some people, they're gifted at that, but that ain't me. Uh, and my hunch is, is that's not most of you either. What I kind of discovered over the years, the hard way, just is kind of, you know, fumbling my way through things is that I, I believe God's given me the gift of teaching, and, and that's kind of my strong point. And, and if you're not used to church or know the Bible, that might sound prideful, but if you do go to church and you, you know what the Bible teaches about gifts, that actually isn't when we are given gifts and everyone here who knows Jesus is given the spiritual gifts, those gifts don't tell us how great we are. They tell us how good God is. They're not given for us. They're given for everybody else. So that's not a prideful statement, but I say that to say this. Over the years, I discovered that I can help people understand who Jesus is and help them take those steps of faith through my teaching more than what the typical traditional training to how do you kind of share your faith kind of thing is. So nonetheless, we know that God, if you, if you, Jesus has really changed your life, there's, there's something inside of you that says, I want people to know. I want others to share in that. I, I want to be a part of that. And, and it's easy for us to get stuck or not feel to, like we know how or qualified or capable. And so anyway, what we're trying to do these next couple of months is just to provide a, a focus time force and just a, some simple equipping, but just to help us to, to, to individually make it a, a, a priority and a step in, in our lives for for this season, you might say, well, Sean, this is, wow, we're only a couple weeks for Thanksgiving, Christmas is coming, I'm really distracted and all of that. And uh, and that may be true, but I kind of look at it this way. I can't think of a better time. The best gift that you could ever give somebody is a gift of salvation is the gift of knowing Jesus is Lord. And I realize that God is the one who gives that gift, not us. I get it. But folks, the greatest thing that we could ever do is not worrying about what we can go buy at Kohl's or Walmart or whatever you're or online, right, you know, at Amazon. But how can we help the people that we know, the bus drivers, the co- our co-workers, uh, who we see at the store every week, our neighbors, our family, all of those. But what would it be if we as a church, each one of us just said, you know what, I can't, I can't share with a thousand people, 
But I can reach out to one. I can maybe reach out to two or three. I'm a little greedy, right? If I go fishing, I catch one fish, I want two or three, right? You don't go just for one. So I like the Hoosier one, but you know, I would love the Hoosier two or three as well. So I want to encourage us in, in this next few weeks, a couple of chapters here in 2 Corinthians uh, 4 and 5, it's all about the ministry of what the gospel ministry is and how we have been made ambassadors. We are God's representatives on this earth and how he wants to use us. And so it's just a, a great time for for us to begin, begin focusing on that. So take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So I don't, you know, some, so many in our church have not grown up in church or maybe a church like ours, and so this is all very new to you. Others, maybe you've been in church for a long time, and you're like, oh, Sean, I've been through these many times. I always end up like a guilt trip. This is, this is not going to be a guilt thing, all right? This is, a, this is an equipping, help us all to know what in the world do we do pragmatically to help our friends, our neighbors, our family, to, to take that step to, to, to do our very best to do what Paul the Apostle did to help people take those, that step of faith. So read with me if you would, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The Bible says this, Therefore, having this ministry, Paul's talking about the gospel ministry that he was given, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful underhanded ways, trickery. We've, we renounce those things, he says. He says, we refuse to practice cunning, you know, kind of sly, deceitful things. We refuse it. Or to tamper with God's word. We're not going to play around with it. God's word is God's word. We're not going to artfully interpret it or adjust what it says to make it more palatable for people. We're going to speak the truth of God's word. But by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled or hidden, remember last week we talked about the, the, the veil in life groups that, that, that people in the Old Testament were covered. They couldn't see the truth. They couldn't see Jesus for who he was. But even if our gospel is veiled, hidden if you will, it's veiled to those who are perishing, who are lost, who are dying, who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, Satan is who it's talking about, has blinded, not their eyes, but their minds of the unbelievers, those who don't have not surrendered their life to Jesus, who've not put their full faith and assurance in Him. He's blinded them to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Jesus is the express image of God. As the God-man, as He walked in flesh, we know in the Old Testament that you're not to make any images of God because God can't be represented by anything on this earth. As soon as you do, it's idolatry. As soon as you do, it's sacrilegious. You shouldn't do that. But Jesus, as the God-man, is the one legitimate express image. It's a statement of His deity. Uh, to, to who he is. And the Bible says that the, the God of this world has blinded their minds to keep them from seeing the light of that gospel of the good news of Jesus who died on the cross is what that means, of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For we, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, 
has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Pray with me, would you? Father, we are so grateful for the Lord Jesus. We're grateful that he is the image of you, that if we want to know what you look like, all we have to do is turn to the Bible and, and see him and all that he did. And Lord, I'm grateful that we will see him face to face one day and so grateful that he is alive and that he is coming back for us. And Father, I pray that you would help us to understand and unpack these words. I pray for your spirit to speak into our hearts, Lord. I, I am not so naive to think that I have anything that can be helpful to people. Lord, the only thing that's worthwhile is your word and your spirit taking those truths and bearing them on our hearts. So Father, I pray that you would do that today. Help us, Father. I pray you put uh, individuals on our mind, on our heart. Help us to have to take the next step in how we reach out and share with those around us. I pray this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if we could stop and think just for a minute, <clears throat> if we were to make a list of all the people that we know, I can imagine people that you know and associate with by name. Maybe we'll do this. I like to do the hand raise every once in a while. Um, how many of you would say that you know 25 people by name? Like family, friends, coworkers, not friends on Facebook. I don't care if you got a thousand friends on Facebook. You really don't know a thousand people. They're just on there, right? How about a hundred? Do you know a hundred people by name? Like you know their name, you know something about them, classmates, co-workers, students. I bet, I bet if we sat down, I bet most of us could legitimately come, come down with that kind of number. There's a lot of people in our lives, and the video that we alluded to earlier is, you know, we are most successful as we serve God, we often think of service like the things that we do for God in the church or in things that have sign-ups, you know, the, hey, come do this, come do that. And we usually think of it in that way. But I want us to recognize, and that's really what this series is about, is for us to realize that our greatest ministries are probably things that aren't ever a sign-up sheet is never put out for. You know, those things are important for absolutely and, and grateful for everybody. And God uses those things. But the biggest things are really the things that God is going to do in your life when you're at work and when you're at home and when you're being you and doing your thing and living your life and the people that you come in contact with and engage. We, we know that Jesus came to die on the cross to save people from their sins. And God wants to use us in turn to do that. So let me, let me share with you three things this morning. And the last thing that I'm going to share with you is just kind of some next steps for us at church. So I really want to unpack this passage and then kind of get to the so what for. So the first thing I want you to notice is that God gives us, he gives all of us this ministry, this gospel ministry. Paul, as he's writing to the church in... of God, we do not lose heart. 
This ministry that he's talking about, we talked about last week, it's the new covenant. It's the sharing the good news that Jesus has come and he's died on the cross, that we're no longer separated from God. It's the ministry that it's not about religion. It's not about us doing all of these rules and having to follow all of these things that maybe you grew up with and having to, to, to do everything just quite the right way. But instead, it's the new covenant. It's the new agreement, the new relationship that God has made with people, that He has sent His Son Jesus, and that when you surrender your life to Him as Lord, I love the, the passage here that Paul says, he says, we don't proclaim ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, He is your Savior because He's your Lord, and it's when you and I surrender our life to Jesus as Lord of our life, recognizing our sin, recognizing the, the guilt and the shame, but we also recognize the sweetness and the beauty and the amazing gift that God gives us, that He wants to give us through His Son Jesus, that we bow on our knees, just as we saw in the little the kids' video that they're all focusing on this week, as Mary there fell on her knees before the risen Lord. When you and I fall on our knees before our Lord Jesus and say, You are Lord and you are my Lord. You, would you take away my sin and be in charge of my life? That's that gospel ministry. And, and Paul says, we have that ministry. Now, he's not talking about you and me specifically. He's talking about himself and talking about his ragtag team of apostles and, and global travelers who went around from city to city, country to country, sharing that. But you and I stand on their shoulders as a part of the, the church, global church that began there when Jesus rose from the dead, and as a local church, that ministry that Paul started, he, that God sent those apostles in the world to really start that, to kind of jumpstart it, if you will. God's strategy was for to send those individuals out to share the message that individuals would trust Christ and they would gather together in communities and they would continue to. And they would minister and serve and live their life with, uh, among others and that over time that would build. And we call that today church. Church is not first and foremost just the building that we come and gather to. It's not, a, it's not an identity or a name. It's the gathering of people and people that represent Jesus in a world that needs to know Him. People that worship the God of heaven and they live before God and they live in, with others. And so we stand on their shoulders God's strategy has always been for the local church to the individuals who are part of that church to live and to share that message out and about. You see, there's kind of two strategies, if you will, of reaching people. There's you know, kind of what we do on Sunday morning. If you like to fish, you know, you can either put a bunch of fish in a barrel and go fishing, or you can just go out and go fishing, right? And, uh, and truth be known, what we do this on the mornings is kind of like, stocking the pond and putting fish in here, and people will trust Christ and come here. But to be honest with you, you're not going to put that many fish in a barrel, and they tend to be little ones, right? Little guys. The big fish are out there. And what God wants is for you and I to live out our faith just consistently in a way that, it, that as we live and as we share and as we talk and as we serve those around us, 
that the gospel goes forward. It's a ministry that God has given all of us. Now, as I said this, if, if you've been through any of those kinds of training events, you probably walk away like, I can't do this. This is too hard. It's almost like asking everybody to be a door-to-door salesman. I'm not cut out for that kind of job. I would not be a very good telemarketer. I'll be really honest with you. That, that is not me. I'm more of a you know, detail office engineer kind of guy, even though I don't have that degree. And so, but God wants to use our giftings, our who we are and the resources, and, and to do that in a way that fits who we are. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. Now, this, this ministry that we have, I want you to notice that, that God gave it to us, and it's a mercy of God. Now, my kids, I'm sure, have learned. They've never told me this. They're really good. But if I say, hey, I've got a job for you to do, they don't see that as mercy, would you? <laughs> you, know, you don't come to your boss like, hey, I've got a job for you. You're like, oh, this is great. Thanks for having mercy on me. You're like, oh, no, what is it, right? You know, if there's something big enough or a pain that, you know, you've got to be especially asked, it's never a good thing. But notice what Paul says. He's like, guys, this is a blessing. This is a, a mercy. This is a, an incredible gift that God has given us to use us in the world around us. And because of that perspective, Paul says, we do not lose heart. Having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. You see, having this ministry of a responsibility as well as a blessing, at times it can be difficult. Is there any work in this world that you do that not, is not difficult at some point along the way? It's hard, right? Now, if you're a parent, it's hard. Kids blessing? Absolutely. Is it easy? No way. Not at all. Your job, is there parts of it that are blessing? I hope so. Probably not a lot of it. Maybe some of it. Maybe some of you are unique and special and just love it and you found your niche and have a great boss and great company and all of that. But for most of us, like, there's a whole lot in my job I don't like. It's a chore. It's work. So Paul is being honest. He's keeping it real. He says, guys, we've been given this blessing to reach out to those around us, but we don't lose heart. When you and I begin to be discouraged, and, when, and this is about everything in life, when we are discouraged, when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel like things aren't going to work and are failing, we lose hope, it, what really is going on is our perspective has shifted. It really is in our head. When I had that I guess it was a, ended up being a head cold. I thought it was allergies or sinuses. I didn't feel like a normal person until yesterday. That would be a good time for you to say, Sean, you are not normal, and you shouldn't have felt that way even yesterday. You could have said it and tell me that later. But, you know, it, it, the doctor, I did one of those telehealth things, you know. It was fantastic. Like five minutes in an email, can I see a doctor? Five minutes later, I have to get out of my chair, and he's, like, talking to me, and I had a script and everything coming. I'm like, this is great. Love it. Maybe you can't outsource medical care. I don't know. But he told me, he kind of did a little dry humor. I'm not used to doctors. I said, Doc, it's all here. It's not respiratory, whatever. He did the whole, like, get near the microphone and breathe, whatever. He's like, yeah, I agree with you. It is all in your head. And he sat there quiet, and I'm like, I don't know how to take this. Like, what? Like, and he's like, I'm kidding. I'm like, oh, okay, Doc, ha, 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 funny. You know, it's just in, in, your, in your head kind of thing. When you and I get discouraged, it's in our head. You see, we, it's our perspective has changed, not the reality. Keep in mind, Paul says, look, God gave us this ministry. Is it hard at times? Absolutely. But my perspective is that God is bigger. This is an incredible blessing that God has given us. 
When you and I get into that discouragement, it's okay. I'm not saying we should walk around like everything's wonderful and beautiful and everything's okay. But along the way, we need to temper that discouragement. We need to temper those challenges with a perspective that says, but you know what? Jesus is Lord. God is bigger than all of this. Because what happens is our perspective falls. And we get our eyes off of God, and because we, we, in essence, it's like the situations around us get bigger and God gets smaller, and then we get really discouraged and we get blown away. And Paul's like, hey, this is hard, but we're not losing heart. For you and I, the ministry that I'm asking us to be to take intentionally, and this is going to be individually on you, so it's whatever you are able to do as a church. I want us to help and encourage and talk about and our life groups to pray about it. And I've been praying for quite some time for God to just use this to help us take a next step with whatever those results are. That's okay. That's between God, God and those individuals. But it won't be easy. But keep the perspective that God gives us this ministry. Next thing, and i got to move fast. I'm already taking too much time. Not only is the God give us this ministry, and it's, it's something that's a gift from His, and we, it's difficult, but I want you to notice it involves us putting ourselves out there personally. Notice what the Bible says. He says in, 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 verse, in verse 2, he says, that we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Notice that Paul doesn't say, hey, we commend the truth of the gospel to everyone's conscience. Paul's saying, guys, I'm putting myself out there with everyone around. I am commending myself. My life is a living testimony to them. I am putting myself into their world. You see, for you and for me today... We live in a world that wants to create a very close space. And if we share things with people, they're like, well, I'm glad that for you. I'm glad that's great, but that's not the way I roll. And there's almost this like invisible barrier with so many people. You know, it's, if, if you share with them, they're like, oh, that's good that that works for you. That's great. I'm not interested. And what Paul says is like, every person, I'm commending myself. I'm putting myself out there. I'm putting a piece of me out there. See, what I'm asking us to do with the who's your one is much like the example that the, the pastor that, that shared with us is to put yourself into their lives. It will cost you something. It'll take some time. It'll take some prayer. It'll, it'll cost you putting yourselves and commending them, commending you to their conscience to decide to, for them to make a decision of whether or not they want to begin to consider Jesus as Lord or not, whether or not that makes sense to them, whether or not they want to take steps that way. God gives us this ministry, and it's a ministry that's 24-7. You don't write it on down on a sign-up sheet or anything like that, but when you look at the people of whose lives have been changed in our church, as we saw so many people over the last three or four years that had trusted Christ, almost all of those... Almost everyone came from relationships of people outside the church. They weren't because we did an egg hunt here or because we have, you know, good music or we used to have coffee on Sunday mornings or whatever. They're not, that's not what does it. It's what people see in your life. And it's the truth of what they see and it's Jesus that they see through you. And that's your greatest ministry. Second thing I want you to notice, not only... Is that ministry a gift that God gives us? But I want you to notice that we're always successful whenever we pursue it. We're always successful when we share the gospel. Well, Sean, I've reached out to people before, and it hasn't gone very well. Yeah, me too. 
Absolutely. Well, Sean, I didn't, I didn't do a very good job. I didn't know what to say. I got tongue-tied. I kind of, you know, I kind of chickened out or had trouble or whatever. I didn't feel very successful. Sean, I've, I've invited bunches of people to church or other things. They've never seemed, you know, just that interested. Keep the perspective. You don't lose heart, right? I go fishing sometimes, and sometimes the fish aren't biting, but I go the next time because I know if eventually if I keep going, I'm going to catch something. Persistence goes a long way. But we're always successful. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says two significant things. tells us two things that are huge. And there, Paul says in verse 3, If our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light, to keep them from, in their minds from it making sense to them and wanting to take that real step of faith, to keep them from seeing the glory of Jesus of all of who he really is. Paul's saying this. He says, Sean, if our gospel is veiled, in other words, we would say, if, I, if the good news of Jesus, that he died on the cross and rose again for our sins, and through him that we have the vehicle to heaven, to salvation with God, and it's not through religion and the stuff that we do, if that good news doesn't make sense, if it's veiled to people, if it's like talking to them about living on Mars, that they look at you like, what in the world are you talking about? It's veiled to those who are perishing. What Paul is saying this, he says, he's saying this in essence. When people do not receive the gospel that I share, it is not because of me. It is not because I didn't say the right things. It's not because I didn't do the right things. It's not because God isn't God. It's not because there's something wrong with the gospel. It's because that message is veiled for them and they are literally dying. And he goes on to explain why it doesn't make sense to them. He says, the God of this world has put blinders on their mind so they cannot comprehend what it's all about. Now, it's significant. When the Bible calls Satan as the God of this world, what it's saying is, is that he's in charge of all of this world's thinking, what this world values how this world processes progress, how this world handles its expectations, what its dreams are, how it looks at things. The God of this world is in charge of navigating all of those things, and he's maneuvered and played chess with the popular thinking in the world that, that seems so right to so many, but is so wrong. And when, when you and I share the gospel... We literally, that gospel, we're asking God to do a miracle in their life, to cut through, to drill through all of those lies and all of that deception and to somehow find its mark into their conscience, into their moral heart and their moral mind. You see, Paul is saying is that there's not a deficiency in the gospel. There's not a deficiency in me. It's veiled to those who are dying because the God of this world has blinded them. It doesn't make sense to them. He's blinded them just to keep them from seeing the glory of Jesus. That's part of why it is so difficult. That's why you and I can invite people and they're like, why in the world would I want to go ever go to church? That's nuts. That's insane. I want to sleep in. I want to go play golf. I want to... That's crazy talk. What? 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 You, you want me to 
surrender my life to Jesus and give him full control of my life? Are you crazy? I'm not doing that for nobody. Everything in this world tells me I need to look out for number one. That's crazy talk. See, the enemy has put in all of the thinking and the values and all of the world systems and all of that around us to keep people from seeing what is so plain and obvious to you and me, but it's plain and obvious to you and me because God has ripped those blinders off. And so we see, of course we're sinners. Of course we're doomed. Of course we, we're going to experience complete destruction apart from God from receiving His forgiveness and salvation. And God wants to give us freely that salvation? That's crazy. I want that all day long. It makes sense to us. And we experience that relationship with Him. We're like, wow, everybody should have this. This is great. There's two different things going on. But you and I are successful because success is not defined by anyone responding to what you're sharing with them. It's not. Now, if I go fishing every time and you say, Sean, you have much success, I'll be honest with you. If I'm not catching much fish, you'll be like, no, I'm failing miserable. Are you having success in your evangelism if nobody's sharing the gospel coming to church? God and Paul would say, yeah. See, here's the deal. You are successful by presenting the truth, by living and serving and sharing the truth, putting it out there so that God can do something in that person's life and sharing it so that it might drill into their conscience in a way of thinking that they've never thought before, that they might experience the grace and glory of God. That's what Paul is referencing here. Paul was that guy. You remember Paul's story? He was hardened against God, convinced that he was doing God a favor, persecuting Christians and didn't need Jesus. And Jesus met him on that road to Damascus. You remember that story? And Jesus shone as a bright light to him. In fact, it blinded the others. They couldn't see what was going on. It was so bright. That's what Paul's alluding to in this passage. This, that same God in, is the God in verse 6 that Paul says, who, who said, let light shine out of the darkness. The God who did the miracle, who spoke light into darkness... He has shown that light into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul says, look, I was that guy. I was, that, I was the last person on the planet that anyone would have ever thought would have surrendered their life to Jesus. But the God of heaven shone into my heart, drilled through and cut through all of that other junk, my pride, my self-righteousness, my thinking that I could do it all myself, that I didn't need Jesus to die for me. All of my religious upbringing that I had trusted in and found confidence in, God drilled through all of that. You see, you and I don't fail when we share. We don't fail when we invite. We don't fail when we serve. We don't fail when we engage and care for people and reach out to them. What we're doing is, is we're building bridges into their life so that the God of heaven can shine his light into their world. And along the way, if we live that way consistently, there will be individuals who will trust him. Many, if not most, won't. But that's not failure. The God of this world is blind to them. You see, even in that way, every time you and I live and share the gospel and serve, we're glorifying God. 
The whole onus isn't on you and me to have success. We're just simply proclaiming the truth of what God is. We're living it out, that truth. We're sharing it lovingly, winsomely, personally, commending ourselves to their hearts. And we're glorifying God by doing that alone because that's what's really at stake. It really is the glory of God. So we don't fail when we do it. Now, what does this mean for us as a church? I'm going to share with you uh, just... Three little steps you could take. Actually, if you look in the pockets in front of you, we're kind of spaced them out, but see this little journal? You can grab it if you'd like. But I'm going to ask you if you would take this home and be a reminder. This is a little 30-day prayer journal, prayer guide. It's really simple. Like Each day is one page, and there's one Bible verse on it, and you'll see a little devotion next to it. And then there's some thoughts, that uh, a blank page next to it that you can write based on those thoughts. And what I want to encourage you to do is, I don't know if it's a separate piece of paper or if it's in the cover or whatever, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that if you would join us as we as a church together would do this, if you would write the name of at least one person. Now, if you're greedy like me and you want to put 10 down there, Go for it. I will probably write more than one. To be honest with you, I hope you all do. But if you write only one, that's fine. I look at it this way. If, if I go out just to catch one fish, I might not get any. But if I know there's a bunch of fish, I might end up with two or three, and it's a good thing, right? But write the names down of people in your life. Ask God, God, who should I think about investing in over this next season, next couple of months, next year, or whatever? And write their names down. Are you... Are you a failure for some reason as you live and as you pray for them, nothing happens? Not at all. It's just you stepping forward, honoring God, and focusing on one. Not focusing on the thousands, not focusing on the almost million that live in the capital region, but focusing on your one or your one at a time. And write those names there. And as you work through this journal every day, if you would keep it with your Bible, put it, I don't know if you need to keep it in the dash of your car, go to work five minutes early, you read it and write in it or whatever. And I'm asking you to do it on top of whatever your regular devotion is. But would you pray for them, those names? And would you write down the things, pray for them according to the passage of Scripture? And that little guide will help you to be able to do that. But the, the three steps are this. It's so daunting to say, well, how in the world do I reach these individuals? And it seems like you're trying to jump the Grand Canyon in one leap. But the three simple things, and I, if you've got a pen, there might be one in front of you. I encourage you to write those in your, yours as well. Three simple things to do. That If you do these three things, then before God, you've done everything that you should. It's simply prayer, care, and share. Now, for the English grammarians in the war in the room, I know those aren't like the same, right? You know, care is like a verb, and prayer is like a noun. Don't don't hang me up. They rhyme. All right, and you can remember them. Prayer, care, and share. Pray for the people, care about them in some way, and do something that makes sense to them and to you to serve and care for them. And along the way, you either share with them or you let somebody else to share with them or something, like something that, you know, whether you give them a, 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 a website to look at, flip them a three-minute video that explains the gospel, invite them to church, give them a track, I don't know, but something. Invite them to dinner with somebody else who can share with them, whatever. There's lots of ways to do it. But if you and I, with those names that we put down, will pray, care for them, and share as it makes sense, 
I believe God will work in some of the people's lives and we'll see some amazing things happen. Prayer, because look, why do we need to pray? Because the God of this world has blinded them. Make no mistake, this is not, a, this is not math. This is not standing up, no offense, Stan, in the classroom and explaining math to people that you just logically make sense. We actually, as we share the gospel with people, they have complete blinders on. It takes the God of heaven to do a supernatural work in their heart to remove those things. You and I are not sufficient for that. So if you try to care and share without the prayer, you're dead in the water. You're stuck. I'm sorry. It's like trying to go fishing without a fishing rod. Good luck. You can try, but it's probably not going to be very successful. So pray for them because the God of this world has blinded them. He's doing everything he can to keep them from understanding that truth. But then the next step is where to care. Notice what Paul says. Very significant here. He says, he says, look, we, what we proclaim is not ourselves in verse 6, but Jesus Christ is Lord. We're not, we're not putting ourselves out there. I'm not trying to gather a following. Instead, he says, we proclaim Jesus, but with ourselves as your servants. Not for our sake, but for Jesus' sake. So you pray for them, then you turn around and you serve them, care about them. I don't know. Don't make it weird. As we talked about so many times, there's more than enough weird people. Maybe with the holidays and it's a coworker or a student, you're like, hey, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving's really busy. We would just love to have you and your family over for dinner. That might be it. You see, that's where if you've got the gift of hospitality, use your gift. Use it. Maybe you've got the gift of service and you want to do something else for them. Do that. Maybe you've got some other things. Use your gifts, your resources, whatever makes sense. Maybe with a coworker, it's very appropriate. You just notice they're going through a hard time and you simply say, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm praying for you. Some way that makes sense in your world, let them know, go above and beyond. You know what's so funny is this world is so harsh and cold right now. You do a little bit and it's amazing. It's amazing. You ever, when, have you ever been really thirsty? That first swallow of water is like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. That's kind of where the world is. They're dry. The world relationally is hurting. It's dry. You don't have to do a lot, but a little bit goes, goes a long way. So pray for them, care for them, serve. That's what Paul said. But then Paul also said we proclaim Jesus. He said we, we shared the Bible openly. We didn't tamper with it. We didn't try to alter its message. River, we're not going to play that game. We're not going to be deceitful. We're not going to be like, you know what? There's some weird stuff in here. We're not going to talk about that. There's some things here that might offend you. We're not going to talk about that. We're just going to, you know, like, like you're, you're cooking, getting ready to cook dinner. We're not going to just trim off all the pieces that we don't want, you know, make it palatable. Churches are doing that. You shouldn't do that. We're not going to do that. Folks, if people don't want Jesus, I got nothing. River's got nothing. Right? If, if people were, you can go to Disney World, you can go to some great concerts, some great theater shows, you can go to some great sporting events, you can do all the bells and whistles in life. If you don't want Jesus, we got nothing. So just keep it on Him and share Him. And your commitment along the way is, is recognize, God, I'm, I'm scared to death to talk to somebody. Maybe God wants you to take that step. But maybe also along the way recognize, you know what? Maybe there's some other way. Maybe you do invite them to a church or Christmas Eve service or, or some other thing. Or maybe you flip them the video link. 
Somebody recently connected with our church just simply shared the, 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 the service on Facebook and found that her aunt was watching who had never been interested or open to anything just because she was posting it on social media. Maybe you put something out there like that. But somehow, people have to hear the gospel for them to be saved. Now, we know the prayer and we know the care, the share parts where we get nervous and uptight. So I'm letting us all off the hook. It might not necessarily be you doing the sharing, but maybe it should be. Don't write it off. But ask God for opportunity as you're praying along the way to talk about those things. Because if you live out your life in hope and they see that and you're ministering, there are going to be some people along the way that are going to be really touched. And God's going to use that to drill through the hardness and the pride and so that they might see the glory of Jesus inside of you. So we're going to be talking about this the next, the next four or five weeks, you know, but I'm kind of through the holidays is what I really, you know, what a time for us. I know that Christmas, it's so funny, it's Jesus' birthday, but we act, all act like it's our birthday because we all want the gifts. And I know that Jesus is the one that gives and there's nothing we can really give to Jesus. I get that. But folks, I can't think of a better Christmas gift for Jesus either than for you and I to live our life in such a way to put something out there for him to use for others. So this morning, I just very simple, I'm going to ask, would you be willing to take and commit to just take this home, pray about it, consider it, begin thinking about those names. This is not legalism. We're not going to post videos of achievers. This is not, if you have a sales job, we're not putting the high achievers out there to shame everybody who's not there. This is between you and God, all right? And if you pray for people, that's awesome. If you pray and care for them in some way and show it, that's even better. And if along the way you have opportunity to share and at least try to share, or at least try to invite them to something, then at the end of the day, the rest is up to God, right? You've done your part. So that's my, my, my big ask for you this morning. So pray with me, would you? Father, I thank you that you give us this ministry, this incredible mercy it really is a ministry of mercy, but it's just a, the fact that you love us enough to invite us into this part of it. Father, help us to not, um, to not miss the opportunity of the people in our lives. Lord, I have to think that every one of us has somebody in our life that would be open, that you would work in a way in their heart, that they would take a next step. Father, I pray that you would put those individuals on our heart, on our minds. I pray for opportunities to care for people. Pray for opportunities to share. Lord, help our schedules to be freed up enough to not be so committed or overcommit ourselves. And Lord, I pray that COVID and all of the weirdness around us, rather than hindering us, would somehow help us. God, would you work in our lives. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, folks, that's all I have this week. I'm praying for you, and we're going to talk about this the next few weeks. So God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.